Welcome to the Notorious Scoundrels, a Star Wars Legion podcast bringing you the latest news, general perspective, and competitive discussion. Hello and welcome back to the Notorious Scoundrels podcast. I'm Kyle. I'm here with Mike and David and Zach and Luke Eddy. How are you, Luke? I'm doing good. Happy to be here. Awesome. Uh, it is Monday. Uh, Zach is back with us after recently having a kid. Congrats, Zach. Thank you. Other than the fact before we started this, you said I looked tired. So I don't know, Kyle. We're on the wrong foot today. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I was perpetually tired for the first like many months of my kid's existence. So if, if, just, you're, if you're not tired right now, then you are you are a very blessed man. Or I'm just pumping caffeine into me like an IV. <laughs> well, that too. Um, well, I'm glad you're back. You want to you wanna take it away with Luke here? All right. We're just going to dive right in here, Luke. Oh, um, all right. So Darth Maul, the second operative available to the Separatist faction. He's one of the most iconic characters in all of Star Wars. Actually, my three-year-old, almost three-year-old kid was watching Star Wars the other day, and I got him to start saying Darth Maul. And he, he's pumped to see him every time he sees him now. Um, and you showed us the model. You showed us some you know tidbits of the Gen Con. Um, do you mind talking a bit about the creative process that went into behind Maul and you know bringing one of the biggest fan favorites to the game? Uh, yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, that, uh, the, that process was a lot of fun. And Maul so far um, has been, I don't know, one of the funnest units to design. Um, I'm, I'm pretty proud of how he worked out and I'm definitely excited for more info to come out for him. I'm still trying to, it's, it's tough guys. I'm still trying to hold back some spoilers because, you know, we got to put some stuff in those articles. Um, and you know how Gen Con always goes too. We announce stuff a little bit earlier than we would, you know, normally. So, you know, if we put out too much information right at the get go, you know, you don't, you want to keep that hype train going, but. Uh, suffice to say, I'm certainly happy to talk about developing Maul. And um, yeah, he was, um, he's a character that I think a lot of us were like, we have to, we have to make him, we got to get him in the game. Like you said, he's just so cool. He's one of the um, coolest characters in the prequel films. I mean, as evidenced by the fact that he almost literally came back from the dead. Um, But uh, yeah, I think, uh, let's see, what can I like speak to specifically in terms of what went into designing him? Um, there were some goals. Um, one was that even though he's super cool and he should, you know, be a real threat on the battlefield, um, the separatist faction doesn't really need or want another 200 plus point or even 175 point um, character, you know. Um, even with a um, a cheap generic commander coming out, which we will talk about, um, I think there was still a desire for, you know, um, to have Maul clock in at a reasonable price point. So that, as a goal, kind of drove some of the balance in terms of, like, what is his upper um, power level. And I think what helped too was leaning into that he's a very aggressive character and uh, he has to be played right. There's situations he wants to be in and situations he very much does not want to be in. He doesn't want to face, he doesn't want to be caught out in the open against a gun line, for sure. He wants to get into melee and he excels at while he's in melee. 
but he's very much focused on on that. Um, so that was a um, that was a driving factor in designing him. Um, and um, also, what I alluded to a little bit when we were talking on the um, the FFG Gen Con stream that we did was just sort of trying to get a sense of like his sort of flexibility and how he kind of flows in combat. You know, we see him in the Phantom Menace and he's almost effortlessly fighting um, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon Jinn at the same time. Um, We didn't want that, or I didn't want that to translate into like, oh yeah, he can just beat two characters. Um, Less so that and more so that um, he's just very versatile. The player has a lot of choices while playing him. so yeah, I think once more information like the card itself, once that comes out, the big the big linchpin, the reason I can't like just like allude to it more is is it's how JoJo Mastery works. Like that basically is the thing that is driving the character. That's the little engine going on. Is that keyword entirely unique to him? Um, that if I were to say what it is, it'd give away the whole unit. But I'm looking forward to people seeing it for sure. All right, so I know that when you're developing something, it takes a long time, but I know that entire time that you're developing Maul, I, I just know that Luke was sitting at his desk thinking about me playing Obi-Wan Kenobi, and he says, how do I destroy Zach Barry's life? And you did that in the form of uh, um, Darth Maul's one pip, Duel of the Fates, uh, which just basically, basically says, Obi-Wan, hello there, and just rips it in half. Um, so do you want to talk about the, the theme behind that card and how much you wanted to destroy my life? <laughs> yes, that 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 and having the the duel of the fates theme playing through my head the whole time, of course. <laughs> um, no, that was a uh, it, well. Side note: it was a lot of fun to name Anakin and Maul's command cards. There's there's some like real obvious good ones in there, but um, yeah, that card's mean. I mean, obviously Obi Wan Kenobi. That seems like that's the case that you're fearing the most. But you know, there's some other not great matchups out there that that card kind of shuts down yeah whether you're playing luke i mean i don't know yeah do you guys have off the top of your head any other uh cards you're fearing that interaction with i mean it completely shuts down fear and dead men which is miserable ah yes that's right yes it does knowledge and defense yeah all of those yep all of the above um contons in general <laughs> yeah, even Tauntauns. I mean, that's sort of more like an incidental. That wasn't like a design goal for Maul. Like, yeah, he's got to be really good against Tauntauns because, like, that's super thematic. <laughs> but um, definitely shutting down Jedi. I mean, it's not like actually shutting down is maybe a strong word. It wasn't like, yeah, Maul's going to be a hard counter against every Jedi, but more like, hey, sort of what to what I was saying earlier, like, what is he good at? What do we want him to do? You know, and we want him to be you know, a duelist, you know, we want him to be like, you know, he's in, in a one-on-one melee with another force user character. He probably has the advantage and that's something we wanted for him. Yeah, I think that's great. I, I, as much as it's going to give me nightmares for, you know, years and years, uh, it is a great thematic card and I'm excited to see it on the table, uh, until it gets played against me. And then I'm going to probably cry a little bit. Um, you got to rip up, you got to rip up the hello there. (laughs) Yeah. And eat it. Specified. Rip it up and eat it. Yeah, I'm gonna drop below there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a standby, three dodges, uh, two aims, and I'm gonna spend zero of them because I'm engaged with Maul. Yep, he's <laughs> got that disengage there too, just to make sure it gets shut down. <laughs> yeah, which is, 
this adding disengage into, into that card is a really a great call too. Uh, just because the way he like moves between Obi Wan and Qui Gon, just great. Yeah, well, and that was um, that was in there. I mean, it's nice for um, some situations where like you know that's what you're trying to do is move between two different targets. Like it's just a nice keyword, honestly. And you know, ever since we added that to um, Operative Luke, it's kind of been a thing where it's like, yeah, you know, that's a pretty easy one to add here and there to other characters who want to be able to do that. Um, but uh, I mean, it's also nice to have in there too because the the second part of his card can just totally whiff if you're like caught in a, another melee you don't want to be in, you know? So we didn't want to have that be a scenario. So um, I'm going to ask you some similar questions about Anakin Skywalker. Um, we know that Anakin is sort of like the, he's the former life of like one of the greatest villains ever conceived, which is Darth Vader. So mm-hmm. I wanted to ask you, um, uh, you know, what was your thought process? Like what, what did you think like Anakin should be capable of? That is a good question because that was another sort of with Maul, same with Maul, where it's like, this is a really awesome character. What is the upper limit power level of this this character, of Anakin Skywalker, the chosen one, you know? And, you know, there's a lot of different like um, snapshots of that character we could do. I know before he came out, you know, some people kind of, you know, had a hint that he would be coming to Legion. And there's a lot of speculation about, like, what version of Anakin is it? Um, And, you know, ours does sort of tend towards the Revenge of the Sith Anakin. Um, But again, with Maul, it's like it's it's I mean, you know, there are characters who can be awesome at, you know, high point values, really expensive point values. But you start doing too many of those and it's just hard to run those characters together it's hard to fit those characters into a list. They start to blur together too. You know, it's less distinction between characters. And so similar to Maul, one of the design goals with Anakin was like, what can we do to portray this character accurately, but also keep his points cost relatively modest. So with that as a design goal, um, it dovetailed pretty seamlessly with the other, like cool idea for Anakin, which was the permanent command card, which was something I, you know, think ever since that keyword was, you know, added to the, like when, when Alex was adding that keyword to um, some of um, Padme and um, Cad Bane's cards, at one point it was just text on the card. Or it was like, you know, don't discard this card. And I had, at that point, this gives you a window into how soon, how far ahead we work on things. Like I was already starting preliminary work on Wave that the wave of Anakin and Maul while he was still doing development for the um, series of products, which aren't all even out yet with um, Cad Bane and Padme. But uh, I was like, hey, that would be great if that was a keyword because instead of having to write out that text, we could just have that in a rule book and be a, a thing that shows up on command cards. And like right away, I was like, it'd be dope if Anakin, like, Anakin had multiple permanent command cards. And so that idea morphed into, well, uh, let's, how about all of his cards are command cards, or all of his command cards are permanent cards. And um, that's a way to sort of mitigate the power level of the character, where like he starts lower, almost more sort of a mid-Clone Wars Anakin. You know, he hasn't attained the rank of master yet. But by the time you get them all out, you're looking at a character who would, with all of those as passive abilities, you know, just on his unit card, would have absolutely clocked in at 
over 200 points probably. So that was a, you know, sort of a design solution to one of our goals. And the other thing that was nice too is, man, there's just a frick ton of keywords I wanted to give Anakin because he's cool. And it's like, I can't even put all these on his unit card. So it was just real convenient to be able to put a bunch of those on his command cards instead. So you're sort of like, well, you know, we see Anakin's growth over the course of, of the prequels, right? Because we start when he's like a little kid and then, you know, mm -hmm. we, we progress through and then eventually, you know, he'd be, he gets the, he gets into the suit, right? So right. this this multiple permanent command guard thing, right? This is like supposed to be some symbolic of sort of his burgeoning power, and like I guess it ultimately proved to be a power you couldn't really control. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yes, and, and what was cool too is then the other thing we start I started playing with was giving these cards uh, drawbacks, and you can see it on the the one that we revealed, but they all have some sort of drawback like that, you know, and. Um, it, yeah, exactly what you're saying. Like it all sort of like dovetailed together nicely where the the cool design idea alleviated some other uh, design, you know, issues like having too many keywords. Um, but then it also supported the, the theme that we were trying to do of like, hey, this is a character we see grow, you know? And then it also in a way it let us portray a character without having to really super like narrow down which version of him he is, you know? Like, hey, if you want to, like, kit bash, you know, or, or sculpt yourself, like, an earlier, you know, um, you know, uh, Clone Wars Season 1 or Attack of the Clones Anakin, like, that works. Because cards aren't inconsistent with that. You're just sort of building him in power as he plays, you know, in a short term over the course of the game, you know, as sort of a thematic nod to his growth over the series and into Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, and it's like you said, there's just so many versions of him throughout the saga. You know, you just have your you have your pick. Like you have the you have, you know, Padawan from Attack of the Clones, you have, you know, Hayden Christensen's rendition in Revenge of the Sith, and then of course you have the the Clone Wars, um, the De Filoni Clone Wars version right. of him. And that was for me, as a player, I was like, Oh man, when they put Anakin in this game, what are they gonna pick? <laughs> um mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about his three pip that has been has been revealed. Um I'd love I'd love for you to discuss it. I think it's Hero of the Hero of the Clone Wars, I think is the yeah. name of it. Yeah, could you just uh, discuss what's on that card? Uh yeah, uh so that card incidentally went through the most iterations. His other cards were pretty easy because those were all um those had a lot of sort of what I've been alluding to before, where there's like keywords and abilities that's like, oh yeah, Anakin should have that, but I'm out of room on his his unit card. Um, Hero of the Clone Wars um, started off, if you look at the art, which is amazing, this is my favorite piece in the whole set. It's, um, it's Anakin and it's Obi-Wan and it's uh, Rex. And um, so a little behind the scenes here, that card started off as... Every round you could pick whether Anakin had teamwork Obi-Wan, teamwork Rex, teamwork Padme. I think at one point teamwork R2-D2. Um, because, you know, these are all in cool interactions that, you know, those are all like, that's that core cast of characters in the Clone Wars TV show. Uh, but that was kind of busted. So we didn't do that. <laughs> um, but what we found in testing Anakin uh further was something that um sort of i'll, I'll give a i'll give a here how about a spoiler you guys want a spoiler uh yes please okay so this isn't a huge one this is a, so you know temper your expectations here but um 
So uh, obviously, Anakin uh, does. He he's he's a general in the Clone Wars. You know, he leads the five hundred first, and he does a very good job of it. Relatively speaking, Anakin mostly is a good leader in that he comes up with a terrible plan, but he's Anakin Skywalker, and he does it himself, and therefore it works. So speaking, you know, touching back on what I was saying about finding ways to like uh, portray a character, but not go overboard, you know, portray a cool character, but not go overboard with how good they are. Um, Anakin doesn't have, uh, he, one of his downsides is he doesn't have any command slots, uh, for his upgrade and no command upgrade slots. Uh, so that was obviously something that was a little contentious in playtesting. And, you know, at the time, you know, it's, I feel like it's a little less essential now, but aggressive tactics, you know, was a that's a important upgrade card for commanders. You know, I'm sure you guys can attest to that. Um, and so there was some pushback against him not having that slot, and I felt like it was important to distinguish him in a way from not just Obi Wan, but like there's going to be more Jedi characters as well, and a lot of those Jedi characters we see leading in way more traditional ways. So. Um, to help distinguish Anakin and again, to help sort of mitigate what his total power level is, you know, sort of look for ways to sort of add in some intentional deficiencies, um, decided not to give him any command uh, upgrade slots, but uh, players still wanted some way to sort of reflect his command ability and more specifically, some way to still buff people around him. And so this card basically became, instead of what was the original iteration, a sort of mini aggressive tactics by just playing the card itself. I love it because it's like it's sort of like, you know, you recognize the strength of that card. Um, but at the same time, right, like these stacking, these stacking effects are, are it, it, I assume they're going to make up for, obviously, I can't fish any more than I've already fished. <laughs> um, but, but actually, actually, forgive me, I have one more thing I wanted to ask you about, which is this, uh, this, orange, this orange card. That we saw. Uh, yes. And, um, I wonder. I want to know if, if if that card has anything to do with Anakin's hatred of sand. Uh, yes, I was. Um, yep, exactly. It's uh, I hate sand, and uh, it's coarse, and it gets everywhere. Not like you, um, but it's uh, <laughs> you, you. You. All the Anakins are going to ship with a little bag of basing sand, and your opponent gets to just scatter that on your minis. Uh, it's, you know, it's, sometimes we have to be thematic. So I gotta ask, did you get that from listening to our cast a couple weeks ago, or is that something you came up with on your own? What, the joke about basing sand? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't your cast, I'm sorry. I did see okay, someone else, right, it right. was like, I think I was watching some other reactions to it, but I'm sure it's, it's an easy joke to make, so, you know, great minds think alike, that's the, yeah. Oh. Here I am thinking he was talking about David and some salt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do that to my, you know, it's really funny because when I used to play X-Wing, I used to travel around with this little salt packet in my bag just for such occasions. <laughs> nice. Yes. No, that um, that uh, gif of um, The Last Jedi, the guy licking the sand, the ground on crate, has, has I've seen it used uh, to great effect in forum posts. Uh, yeah, no, I can actually talk seriously about that card if you guys would like. Oh, absolutely. Um, bring it on, man. Cause I, I'm loving everything you're, you're, you're laying down here. 
Awesome. No, I, I mean, so that's one we're, we're going to save to spoil later, but um, I, I will touch on the fact that, um, you know, like I've sort of, I, I mean, I've, I've said on the stream before how it's a, it's a flaw card is what we're calling. It's very similar to a command card. Um, you give it to your opponent and your opponent plays it against you. Um, it's something that we're going to see a lot more of. There's other characters who like, you know, very much so have, you know, flaws in their personality. And um, to touch on what I was saying earlier, similar to the command cards that sort of grow Anakin as a character and being able to like portray, you know, a, a character who has a couple different iterations or, or growth, you know, over a, 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 the show or media or films, um, a flaw card like that can also... I think is helpful from a design perspective in terms of portraying theme um, can let us give an allusion to or a nod to um, other actions this character does that are perhaps, you know, they have sympathy for another side or they do something detrimental to their own team, you know, or in Anakin's case, I mean, so the card is not, oh, sorry guys, it's not actually, I hate sand. Um, but it is a reference to, you know, him sort of starting to go down that that path of the dark side. And, um, you know, we weren't going to do, I mean, we're not going to, I mean, I shouldn't say never, but, you know, for this product, this Anakin, you know, it's not, a, it's not literally a dark side Anakin. We're not doing Anakin post order 66, you know. And so, you know, with Anakin and with other characters too, you know, there are, there are versions of them later or earlier that evolve and change. Um, and, you know, there's lots of cool characters and things in Legion we want to make. And while it's fun to do different versions of characters, did that for, um, Vader and for Luke Skywalker, and we're planning on doing some more, um, of those at some point, but we don't want to do too many of those because there's so many other characters we haven't done at all yet that we want to get to. So those flaw cards, you know, for Anakin and for other units in the future, it's a nice way to give a nod as well to perhaps another version of that character, you know, that um, we want to reference, but that we're not going to devote doing a whole entire unit of or a version of. Does Darth Maul have a flawed card? He does not. That said, so in the initial graphics in the first stream, uh, the Wednesday stream that John Schaefer was on, that uh, I think accidentally snuck into his uh, spread. So uh, no, he Maul, Maul does not have a flaw card. Maul is a flawless being of just pure rage and anger. And he still has his legs. He in this case he still has his legs. Absolutely. Um, can we talk about some of the other uh, units that were spoiled at Gen Con? Maybe starting um, and and the design philosophy behind them. Maybe starting with the uh, the specialists. Uh, yes. Yeah. We, so here's a question. Uh, I'll pull this group here. Uh, which which are people more excited for, the generic clone commander or the generic droid commander? So you mean the Kyle Dornbos uh, droid? I, I think <laughs> I think that's what we're most excited for is to see Kyle on the table in disco pants. Um, huh. But as as a as a clone player, did uh, did you or, see that Sam Whitwer uh, tweeted uh, a, a that droid side by side with John Travolta? No, but that's fantastic. I'm going to go look that up. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm definitely most excited for the uh, the, the T-Series, personally. Yeah. I'm not excited because <laughs> the T-Series probably means more tank lists. 
<laughs> and as a rebel player, high velocity cannons make me sad. Yeah, yeah, that that AAT cannons meme. Well, I'm super pumped for the clone specialist because I I could do the with a cheap clone commander. You know, Rex is still you know he's really good, but he's still a little bit on the expensive side. It's true, he's real good though. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's it's uh, I think reflective of what you guys are saying. Something I've alluded to before is that even though they have the same points cost. Um, and they have generally the same abilities. Uh, the uh, droids' stats are, are are terrible, relatively speaking. You know, he has a bad melee attack. He's subpar range attack. He doesn't have great saves. But like having that cheap commander for the separatists is so good. Um, so yeah, I think. Um, I think it's going to open up a lot of interesting lists. Like you say, more tanks. But um, for both the clone one and the droid one, uh, something we tried to do that um, wasn't necessarily a design goal with the Rebel and Imperial ones, um, but was very much so with these, was to make them desirable enough that you would honestly consider taking them in an army where you already have a commander. So they have some interesting new abilities. Um, I will say right off the bat, just so people don't get too excited, they don't have Entourage B1s or Entourage Phase 1s. You're not going to have to worry about like total MSU unit activation skew. Um, but, you know, they are, they are definitely intended to encourage, you know, some of, I guess, the, the list you guys are talking about, where there's some expensive units you want to fit in and still be able to fill out a modest amount of core units. And I think also, like, I mean, we tested it a ton and it certainly didn't break the game, but if people want to go, like, for horde mode with these guys and put as many B1s or, or cheap clones, even though, you know, relatively speaking, clones aren't that cheap, into a squad or into an army, you know, they can with these guys if that's what they want to do. So I think you said in the Gen Con stream that they have brand new keywords. Are, are those the... Um... And you said the reason for their stats spread. Uh, also, I'm thinking of the Gen, Gen Con stream is that those abilities are more useful for the droid one than, than the clone one. Do they have the same, essentially the same keywords? Yeah, they do. Um, they have, they each have a new, um, there's two new keywords that they both have. And um, they're not very complicated though. You know, that was another design goal overall with the whole wave was um it's never possible to completely get away from making new keywords um, in Legion often because so often what we want to do is dictated by the the source material by the by Star Wars. Um, you know, just units the units we're making, the characters we're making, the like often will be like a thing they do that we want to emulate and that requires making a new keyword. Um, but the ones on these guys are riffs on existing keywords, so they're not. You're not going to see them be like, oh my gosh, I got to learn a whole nother keyword but um you know you'll be like oh this is just a, a different version of this so you know you know leave that open to speculation but um you know those will be fully revealed when their unit their articles come out with their unit cards can you talk at all about the command cards that come with these packs uh yeah yeah so we saw the one pips and um something that you know i think <laughs> I designed the original Rebel and Imperial one pips. And so like even me, the designer, I can admit they came out a little lackluster, you know, if you're familiar with covert observation and sabotage communications. Um, 
and you know, if I were to defend myself a little bit, there was some hesitance towards like, you know, I mean, ambush is good. One pip, activate one unit. It's a one pip. It's a great card. It seemed um, something I didn't want to do was just upgrade ambush because it was already good. Um, In hindsight, though, you know, really the the orders, the units you can issue orders to with those one pips are pretty restrictive. It's uh, just a special forces or an operative, I believe. Um, and um, that already is some built-in restriction. And so the the ability on the card was was intentionally very mild. Um, but you know, with that restriction on there, it didn't need to be necessarily as mild as it was. So for these new generic command cards for the um, the clones and the uh, separatists. You know, I they they were spiced up a little bit. Both of the so they have the same effect where when a vehicle's issued an order, you issue an order to a new nearby clone or droid trooper, respectively. And that's real good. Um, but it still has that restriction in there of well, you have to have a vehicle. So it's still sort of forcing you to um it's not universally applicable. Um you are only gonna run it if you have a vehicle, obviously, because it's a dead card otherwise. Um, but it's not so mild that, you know, it's not just, you know, you're not just forced to use it because you took a generic commander. You know, if you have a commander, let's say you have Grievous, um, but you want to run a tank as well, maybe a staff, you know, you might actually use that card instead of Ambush, hypothetically. Um so that was something we wanted to do with those. So those are a little spicier, and that's intentional. Um, and then the other uh, cards in, you're going to see in there, uh, similarly, they all have some sort of restriction on what they actually give uh, a, they issue an order, what kind of units they issue orders to. Um, so the ones in the original Rebel Imperial ones all were like divided up by rank. You know, the one pip was specialist or operative, the two pip was heavy or support, and then the three pip was core units. For these, it's it's divided by unit types. So the as you saw, the one pip is vehicle. Um, the two pip, if I recall, I think is I think the two pip might be rank. It's commander or heavy. And then the third pip for each of these. So here's a little spoiler for you guys. The the three pips for those are the clone one is three clone troopers, and the spe- the separatist one is three droid troopers. I'm I'm super excited about them just because of the names that we can see in the spread. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, do you like those super sneaky spreads they made? Yeah, with with literally just the command card names and nothing else. Yeah, and also just like like just a a hint, like a a, a taste of art on the sides of the upgrade cards. Um, speaking of upgrade cards, can you talk a little bit about the other stuff, the other specialists that are in these packs? Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, uh, the clones get uh, kind of exactly what you'd expect. It's you know a a um, officer, a um, medic, a engineer, and a um, com specialist. So we didn't diverge too wildly uh, for these guys. But as we've talked about, as I've talked about. Um, to sort of add some, to shake it up a bit, and I think it's thematically appropriate, the medic and the engineer don't have non-combatant, so they contribute dice to attacks. Um, but to balance that out, and also because 
Um, I mean, just generally the value of a wound, whether it's a vehicle or a trooper, is relative to the units that are, are in or around the unit with that ability. And in the Republic, the general cost is much higher. So without, you know, if they were to heal two wounds each um, and have non-combatant, not have non-combatant, um, those would have gotten to be pretty expensive upgrades. So to sort of still keep their costs relatively reasonable, um, they only heal one wound each. So there's a pretty easy, like, hey, they lose non-combatant, but they only heal one wound. And what's the, uh, what about the droid pack? Uh, the droid pack, uh, similarly, you get a um, medic and a repair droid, but um, kind of back to how the Rebel Imperial ones work, those are strictly non-combatant droids and they each heal too. Um, but uh, kind of like what I was saying before though, where the costs are relative to the units around them, um, the, the medical droid for the Separatists um, has fewer heal targets, not necessarily like the individual wound costs are less. In fact, in some ways it's sort of more because it's characters like Grievous and Dooku. Um, but the, the medical droid itself has less immediate utility, um, whereas the, the repair droid, the little PK series worker droid, um, created in that little B2 head or B1 head, um, he has plentiful targets for his um, repair ability, you know? And uh, we also didn't want it to be like, well, you know, I'm never going to heal the squad he's in of B1s because, you know, those wounds are too too valuable. So um, unlike previous specialist packs, the, um, the droid that heals wounds clocks in at fewer points than the one that heals um, the uh, vehicles. It's interesting little reversal there can you can you tell us which one is which oh you know what wait wait hang on guys i just i literally i literally just lied the wound one does cost more but not by much relatively speaking it doesn't cost as much more as the other ones have in the past okay so the the medic does in fact still cost more than the yeah but only two points okay (laughs) um which one is which? We were trying to figure out if the if the guy with the boom mic and the turntables was the matter. <laughs> well, the DJ he's gonna he's gonna heal your ears. It's therapeutic. Okay. Um, the um, do you guys uh, do you recognize what either of those uh, droids are from? What media? You're you're on the spot now. I'm asking you guys questions. So, is the medic droid from Grievous from the Clone Wars episode where they go to Grievous's um, like layer? Yes, 100% yes. In fact, I think the episode is even like Lair of Grievous. Yes, that is Grievous's personal healing droid. I don't is know that, that droid based on the droid from Java's Sail Barge? Yes, they are both EV series droids. Wow. Good job. David gets a point. <laughs> I, I thought I was a nerd until you guys started nerding out. Oh, yeah. No, we're super nerding out. Do, do any of you know what the PK droid is from? The little worker droid? Uh, no. <laughs> no? Really? No? You guys are losing some Star Wars cred here. They are in the Phantom Menace. You That's see them in the background. 
Are they like the little dudes working on the pods or something? No, no, no. They're the little dudes cleaning up the the broken battle droids after the Battle of Naboo with the Gungans. Oh, okay. So it's a deep, it's a deep cut. It's like wow. a deep cut. I am throwing on a Phantom Menace after this. Now. Yeah, it's real. Sh- the only other time you see them is in a background shot in the Trade Federation um, ship. They walk through a corridor that has the door open that you can see into. So, Getty over here schooling us on our hey Star man, Wars. This is part of my job, just looking up Star Wars stuff all day long. Do you know how many hours I've spent on Wikipedia? Hundreds. Uh, hundreds. <laughs> wow. That's, I, uh, how, how many hours would you say you spend a week? doing that a week well i mean that really varies depending on what stage of a project i'm in on a regular basis like i don't know there's usually something that comes up so maybe an hour or two every week but like when i'm researching a project you know i'm in a given week you know i might be on there two hours for the whole week, two hours a, a work day for the whole week, or, or more sometimes, you know, if it's really that research stage. Nice. Well, I mean, and that's not including too, you know, starwars.com has a database and rewatching stuff, looking up YouTube clips, stuff like that. So do you get, do you actually like get paid to watch like Star Wars movies? Like, is that, <laughs> that within your job purview? No, I haven't. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I could, maybe I should ask. You guys are raising some good questions here, but no, I usually actually watch the stuff outside of work time. So. Hey boss, can I get some overtime for uh, some research? Yeah, right. exactly. <laughs> um, can you talk about the fourth model in this uh, droid specialist pack? Uh, yes. The, another, not as deep a cut, but the Viper recon droid, which appears throughout the Clone Wars TV series and is a precursor to the Imperial Viper probe droid. Uh, he is, um, that was where we knew we couldn't do a comms guide because that's makes no sense. That's nothing. Droids have that. So um, he kind of just came out of a list of what are droids in the Separatists that would be on a 27 millimeter base. And um, so it was much less so of a like, here's an idea for a thing, what droid would do this? And more so of like, hey, just what are the droids out there? Um, And he was the most obvious one. In fact, at this point, I'm not sure if there even is another one. Um, There's a lot of other droids, but very few that would be on that size base. They generally get much bigger. so given just what he was, we decided what he was before we decided what he does. Um, and similarly, we with Maul, we knew we were doing Maul for a while, um, but it wasn't until like right before we were approving the project. So like before we'd actually decide, started design, um, but had already like done research and thought about like, you know, what exactly are we portraying, you know, et cetera. Um, but had the idea of like, you know, hey, why not do some of his probe droids just because they're cool? I mean, that was another thing where it was like, hey, this is cool. Let's just do it and then figure out what it does. Sometimes that's how it works. 
And that's a lot of times how it works with Star Wars. They're like, hey, this thing is awesome. That's what we're going to do. Now let's figure out what it does. Um, and it was pretty easy, though, to be like, okay, well, we've got this Viper recon droid and we've got um, Maul's Sith probe droids. And yes, of course, someday we're going to get the Imperial probe droids. It will happen. Um, that there's just droids like this in Star Wars. And we're like, why not give them all a similar type of ability? So we've got them on record. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I'm not saying when, but like, I mean, I think Alex has even said it too. Like, oh yeah, we'll do those guys eventually. Um, so, uh, yeah, probe droids, man, there's just a thing in Star Wars. So like, let's figure out a thing they all can do. And it seemed easiest to like, um, you know, we try not to go too crazy with adding new tokens to the game, but this was an instance where it was like, okay, this isn't going to be everywhere, but this is more easily accomplished by a token because it doesn't make sense for them to be all attacky, you know, to actually be combatants. They, they don't have non-combatant, by the way. They do have an attack, Maul's droids and this one. Um, but that shouldn't be their primary role. So, um, yeah, we just came up with a mechanic and a token and they're they're gonna both use it can you talk at all so um we actually it's been a while since since you've been on here and i think uh since then we've had clan ren and unferno squad get fully previewed can you talk about the design philosophy behind them as well yeah yeah i'd be happy to um it sounds like people are relatively excited for those they're pretty cool oh yeah um, very excited Nice. Um, I would say that, um, so those were units that um, Alex did the design work for, um, but it was something that we, we discussed together quite a bit. And I think um, the, uh, I, and actually they were something, I should back up because um, we oftentimes plan out what we're doing. As I said, you know, like here's something that's cool. We want to get into the game. You know, we, we oftentimes have, products planned out for you know a couple of years and you know something may have been you know someone else's idea but you know then a different person is the one who does the actual development work you know and in this case um uh i wouldn't say i think um it was inferno squad was kind of a, a given since we we're doing iden and uh clan ren was just something uh, i personally really wanted to see and thought would be cool and thought you know like Mandalorians are awesome. Let's let's get them in the game. And, you know, I, I think what we see in Star Wars, they're generally the good guys. And it made sense for them to be, I mean, obviously a Boba Fett and Jango Fett, but technically, you know, those guys aren't Mandalorians. They just stole Mandalorian armor. Apparently that is canon. You took um, my nerd you took my nerd thing away. I was gonna be like, oh, oh, were you gonna drop the oh, I was sorry. like, I finally had something to say, nerdy. No, that's okay. That's okay, Zach. You still got a point too. Um, for those keeping score. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm on the board. Yes. Um, but uh, yes, we're like, let's make them for the Rebels um, because that that is what they do in in Rebels. That they, you know, um, some of the Spectres help um, Clan Ren. And then when the Spectres and the Rebels need help, um, Clan Ren returns the favor. So they made sense as a Rebel unit. And... Um, one of the goals or one of the ideas, um, you know, that I, I had that then Alex took and ran with was, um, you know, getting some named characters in there. You know, um, the very first thing we did that with was um, 
the uh, Pathfinders. And we're like, people like that. People dig that. And um, a lot of it came out of talking about um, Fives and Echo. And Fives and Echo are, you know, if, you, if you're into the Clone Wars, those are characters who are, you know, near and dear to your heart. They're awesome characters in that show. Um, but again, there's so many cool things in Star Wars. You know, it's like, ah, oh, you know, like, it'd be awesome to do those guys. But like, how long is it going to take before we can like, you know, do two operative expansions, you know, or like a dual operative expansion or something like that. So out of the desire to get characters like that into the game sooner rather than later, we were like, hey, let's leverage this unique upgrade concept, you know, and let's get some of these guys in the game. That's And not to say they, they wouldn't uh, hypothetically appear later, but it was a way for us to acknowledge these characters and make miniatures of them. I and mean, that's the main thing, you know, is making a miniature of these characters. Um, and it just kind of, I don't know, it just kind of came together of like, you know, n- not the BX droids, obviously, but um, for Inferno Squad and Arc Troopers and Clan Wren to all take advantage of this idea of like unique um, upgrades, unique character upgrades. So that was a big impetus. Like that was sort of the starting vision for those and then from there it was just like making them making them cool and for the two um i know we're mainly talking about clan run inferno squad but you know for the the um the commandos not commandos the arc troopers and the um the extroids to give the new factions that uh strike team option as well that's a really neat way to sort of like address the I mean, it's it's a good problem to have when the supporting cast of the the IP you're trying to make miniatures for is so huge. Yes. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely, it's a good problem to have. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the question that I think is so clear in everyone's mind now. <laughs> um, when are we getting Bad Batch? Oh man. Well, so uh, I mean, hopefully soon. Uh, I'll tell you what. Um, Sometimes that often happens. What often happens is, um, you know, we work with LFL, obviously, and they give us info ahead of time. No surprise there. Um, But sometimes they can't give us quite as much info as we'd like. Um, And so honestly, it's serendipitous sometimes when it works out where like, we get to know, like we didn't know about Bad Batch being announced ahead of time, but definitely glad it's been announced now so that we can say like, okay, hey, let's wait a little bit, get some more info on this new iteration and maybe incorporate that into what we're doing before you know we were to say, you know, rush into making these guys based off of you know the only appearance we have of them so far now knowing you know that like they're going to get more development we're going to see more of them you know so um i absolutely bad batch like they're perfect for this sort of unique character strike team thing and i think you know when we do them i'm sure we're going to expand how that mechanic works in interesting ways that sort of accommodate um multiple characters now the, the downside the issue of course is like these unique character upgrades get expensive and you start putting them all into one unit. Like, man, you got one real expensive unit. So, you know, there may be some, you know, work on like, well, how many can you take at once? And you're like, Oh, kind of like what I was saying with Anakin and Maul, you're like, what is actually the upper limit of their power level, et cetera. 
but absolutely bad batch is awesome yeah i mean not to go off like on a tangent i I love a lot of things about this game but i think my favorite thing going forward is the 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 design space that you've made here with these quote-unquote lesser name characters you know with the health patterns that you're giving them with extra health and making them into these squads i just think the design space there is just you really set yourself up for you know stuff like bad batch which is great no that's that's good to hear i appreciate you saying that yeah you know and and i think um there's other characters who uh, we could do this with but like we're not going to because i think like it's more important to like really do that character justice you know um so there's some like we may hold off on um but, you know, there's other things we could do, too. You know, we could do a pack of, you know, like just these guys. And it doesn't come with a unit, but they go into existing units, something like that, you know. So, yeah, no, it definitely opens up some interesting design space for us. So real quick, I want to hit uh, just specifically with Clan Ren and Inferno Squad. Um, how did you go about differentiating them from like other elite full squad special forces, forces units within their within their respective factions? Uh, that is a good question. Yeah. I mean, that was primarily Alex's hard work that he had to do. And I think um, it was certainly easier for Clan Ren because with, you know, Mandalorians, I'm doing air quotes, you guys can't see me, but I'm doing air quotes, Mandalorians, you know, because again, Boba Fett and, you know, he's not really a Mandalorian. But anyways, um, like so much of what is like uh, uh, what represents their sort of armor and mobility in game is through uh, stats, like not keywords. So stats referring to their movement speed, their die save, um, the, the, all the different, the plethora of upgrade slots they have. Um, you know, there's some, and, and then a couple abilities as well. So, you know, you obviously jump in Impervious, they have jetpacks, and of course the armor. So um, it was pretty easy to be like, okay, that's 90% of a Mandalorian Special Forces unit. Doing Inferno Squad, making Inferno Squad was much harder because they're a little less differentiated. Um, I mean, we say Inferno Squad, but the official name of the unit is Imperial Special Forces, which, yes, we know is confusing. Uh, that is canonically what they are called, and we couldn't call them something else. Um, Suffice to say, you know, there's a lot of Imperial Special Forces. How are these different? Um, And so I think what was easy a little bit is that Aiden came first um, in that um, Alex was able to draw on some of the defining features of Aiden to sort of mirror some of what Inferno Squad is doing after what Aiden is doing. So obviously Marksman and then Infiltrate were the the main ones there. but then I think um, beyond that, uh, it was a matter of a kind of massaging them to a place where they feel really capable, but they also don't feel like, you know, the be-all, end-all, ultimate special forces ever. You know, they have, they have Reliable, um, which, you know, Reliable plus Red Die, where no surge is essentially, you know, having that better armor, sur- or like the best armor save, like Death Troopers. But it only matters for one shot, you know. So, well, depending on what you roll, I guess I should say one shot. But um, so, you know, it it was kind of just a balancing act of like, where do they fit, you know? Because, you know, there's a lot of special forces already. So um, 
uh, and you know, these guys don't have like any crazy different weapons or anything like that. So, um, most of the character for them came out in the unique upgrades and kind of for, um, clan Ren as well. Like I said, like those, the Mandalorian stat block and those couple Mandalorian keywords are pretty much dictated, but it's, it's on the, on Tristan and Ursa where, you know, we played around a little more and made them a little more unique. And then similarly for Inferno Squad, Hask and Gideon, you know, was where, um, or Gideon Hask and uh, Delmico is where, you know, we played around a bit more with different ranges, different abilities, you know, that sort of thing to spice it up. Um, how psyched were you guys when, like, you guys saw, like, the Mandalorian and there was actually, like, a <laughs> bunch of, like, I don't know, like, uh, what are they, live-action Mandalorians, like, falling out of the sky, and, like, clearly you guys had, you know, this unit. I mean, it, they're not meant to be the same thing, I assume, <laughs> but they they seem very close. Yeah, no, that was super cool seeing that. I mean, I, so, uh, Clan Ren was, like, we were... We were working on that while they were working on the show. But, you know, we didn't start off by saying like, hey, we, we want to do these secret Mandalorians that are going to be in this show that, you know, like people only know is in production and haven't seen any of yet. Like we're not quite, you know, we've done that with some X-Wing stuff where it's like, you know, we, we're, we're actually designing ships for like, you know, um, the force awakens before the, before the film comes out, you know, but, um, we weren't doing that for these. We specifically wanted to do the ones from, um, the rebels TV show. But yeah, when those, you know, like, I mean, we watched, uh, the Mandalorian show as the episodes came out together in the office and definitely like almost every episode there was like, that could be in Legion. That could be in Legion. So, um, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting there. I mean, I, I, it's, it's, it's no secret that, um, you know, it's uh, uh, Steve, Steve Horvath, Horvath is the head of um, Asbury North America, you know, who um, is the, basically the publishing company for the studio Fantasy Flight, you know, has said, yeah, there's, hang in there, there's some Mandalorian content coming to uh, Legion. That's awesome. Um, so with um, all of the stuff that we've talked about, you know, clearly there's, there's a lot of new stuff coming. Um, what unit out of, out of all this content was your most, like, was, was the, the one that you had the most enjoyable experience kind of designing, um, you know, from, I guess, like kind of an all rounder standpoint. Um, that's a good question. I'd say, um, I'd say a kind of, a kind of almost equally Anakin and Maul. Um, they they went through they had the most balanced iterations so i'm not saying they were the easiest to design um or like i guess they weren't the easiest to to balance um or to nail down exactly what the design was but um you know sometimes the hardest part is just getting getting anything on paper getting those initial ideas out and the more thematic a character is um and also the more like i don't know i guess attached to a character you are as a designer like i was super excited to do both of these guys i mean both of these guys you know sort of like no one was against doing them but like i i pushed for these guys coming out when they did i was like these are two of the coolest characters we got to do these guys 
Um, so I was invested in them and, and that makes it easier. And I think one of the things I am pleased about is um, their, their core idea, sort of, you know, like the, you know, your elevator pitch for like what makes them interesting mechanically stayed intact, you know, like that, that was functional and that was a, you know, for both of them, it worked, you know, and it was a matter of just doing the balance work around that idea and some iterations and tweaking it, you know, so um, both of them were, were a lot of fun to make and, and came out really well. So with all the new things that are coming, um, it kind of begs the question. Um, so well, there, there's, this is a two-parter. Um, I know you can't like talk about new stuff more than you already have, right? Because like you said, you got to <laughs> something for the marketing department. Um, I can hint at it. I can, I can allude yeah, to it. I can be coy. But I guess, but I guess the, the, the second half of the question is more applicable. Um, do you think that Legion could get to a point where you wouldn't need to add anything new with every release? Or is, is that just really crucial to you know, keeping the game fresh? That is a very good question. And I'm, I'm glad you guys are asking it because, um, you know, I, I feel like sometimes, um, you know, you know, um, well, let me put it this way. It, you guys asking the question is showing me that you, the players are picking up on some of the tensions in designing stuff. You know, and like just what you stated there is very much the the tension of, hey, the more we add to this game, the more complicated it gets. You know, there's we very, very much tried to sort of have this mindset of, you know, yes, there's a lot of keywords and, and yes, there's a lot of potential interactions. But when you build an army, like you only have to know what your stuff does. You know, and yes, your opponent has some units too, um, but generally, like their abilities, your opponent's abilities, shouldn't be like gotcha type things where it's like, oh, you forgot I had this, you're screwed. You know, it's more, you know, there's a little bit of that here and there, so that, you know, you're still like knowing what your opponent can and can't do is important. Um, but, uh, you know, for the most part, you need to know what your own stuff does. And you want to have a general idea of what your opponent stuff does, but it's not like you need to memorize the rules reference. Um, certainly, don't need to memorize every single keyword. Um, so there is that. Absolutely, we don't want to burden the game or bloat the game with too many keywords. Um, but at the same time, you know, you touched on it. Like, there's there's a sort of immaterial sort of like like you want to see something new and cool like when a new unit is announced you you hope that like oh they've got some new keyword you know um and something i alluded to before was how we're not working with our own ip here our own intellectual property you know we're making a star wars game star wars exists outside of fantasy flight and what we are trying to do and what what people want the well, the main reason people are buying this game is they, they want to reenact um, Star Wars, these Star Wars battles. And there's these pre-existing characters and vehicles and droids and, and soldiers and things that you expect to sort of do certain things, even if, not, even if it's not specifics. You sort of want them to act in this way, you know, you've got different kinds of things like repulsors and walkers even and stuff like that. And you sort of expect, you know, these 
pre-existing things to function in this game as they would in the Star Wars media. And, you know, kind of like with, you know, these droids that don't really fight, you know, these probe droids, recon droids, um, a lot of times that just dictates us having to make up new rules and new keywords. You know, for example, the um, the uh, Saber Tank and the um, AAT have that hover ground keyword, you know, and like, well, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think it works perfectly fine. But like if we were just making up our own IP and making up our own game, you know, maybe that's something that, you know, would be not even in the game because it's, you know, just more rules we had to add to accommodate how you see these things interacting and operating in this other media. Um, so, you know, that's not really a, a very satisfying answer, except to acknowledge that, you know, there is this tension between, you know, wanting to keep the game digestible and simple, but also this sort of new wow factor. And also, again, the, you know, what's dictated by the IP itself. So um, are we ever going to stop making new rules and new keywords? I, I don't think we can. There's, you know, we're, there's going to be some new Star Wars thing that's super cool. And we're like, well, we got to have it, gotta have it do this thing, you know? But, you know, as we get more and more keywords into the game, you know, and as we expand the rule set, there are going to be fewer and fewer instances of like, you know, oh, there's nothing yet in the game that could do this, you know? Um, you know, f for example, you know, like now that we have that hover ground slash air keyword in the game, um, the, uh, the probe droids that Darth Maul is going to have, that unit card will have, um, I believe I can just double check, but I think it has like just hover air one, which like now that that's in the game, you know, we can just, uh, reference it to be like, well, they're not a speeder, but they ignore any terrain that is um, height one or lower, you know, no compulsory move, but they ignore that train. So yeah, there is, I think we're moving to a place where we don't have to add as many keywords, but I don't think we could ever get to a place where we're not adding some things here and there, you know? So maybe that's the best answer I can give. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, I mean, clearly what you guys are doing is like, super complicated from you know kind of transitioning stuff from from on screen into you know game mechanics right like that's not um the simplest thing to do without kind of coming up with new stuff mm -hmm. um so kind of outside of units and keywords and, and mechanics and stuff you know we we had cory devore on last week talk about sculpting and kind of bringing uh things to to life from the screen kind of in his world. And you kind of just talked about it a little bit in yours and as far as the rules and mechanics and everything like that go. Um, so how do you guys kind of take those two processes and align them kind of behind the scenes? If you can talk about that a little. Oh, a view behind the curtain, so to speak. Yeah. Um, well, this is certainly another thing that um, I appreciate that, um, players have picked up on and, and shown more interest towards is, is the, yeah, like the, the work we do sculpting things and also the work we do um, with the, the art in the game as well. Um, so to touch on the process uh, a little bit, um, there's definitely a lot of coordination between um, myself as the developer, as the, the designer of these expansion products and um, Corey and the whole sculpting team. 
um, as well as um, whoever is the art director um, who is coordinating our freelance um, artists and who's ever the, the graphic designer who's, who's doing you know, the, the principal graphic design for a batch of products. Um, so generally what a developer does is um, sort of come up with a vision for a set of products. And um, once those are approved, both internally and through LFL, then um, it's up to us basically to do, as I've alluded to, a whole lot of research and try to come up with as much information as we can give to the um, sculptors about like, this is the thing we're depicting um, and to the um, art director, you know, we need to like figure out like, well, what, you know, sometimes even before we've really finished the design, generally while we're still in sort of first drafts, we kind of got to be like, hey, here's what I think are all the cards that are going to be in this batch of six, eight products. And here and there, as people have noticed, of course, you know, we grab some, some pickup art from other product lines like Destiny, you know, if there's some good ones, sometimes X-Wing. Um, but generally it's a lot of commissioning new art and, you know, they need a description of, of what it's going to look like from us and they need, um, references, you know, we, um, we get official references from LFL. So we have to go through a, a like a, a process with that as well. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just a lot of, a lot of coordinating work and we try really hard to like make things accurate. You know, if we're coming up with a new, um, you know, weapon or item, then there's a, a even more coordination where we're like, okay, you know, we need to have LFL approve that we can make up this thing. We need to have um, perhaps sculpting get started early so they have a rough idea of what it looks like. And we need to make sure that the references that the art director are sending to our freelance artists um, match. And I shouldn't say it falls all on the developer because there's also a a producer um, who, you know, does a lot of work coordinating all these things um, as well. But it's a very, um, it's a very integrated process, you know, and also collaborative too. You know, I'm, when I say like telling the art director, like, oh, I need this piece to look like this. What that actually looks like in practice is I think about what it needs to be. I write an art brief for them. You know, it might be something like, you know, say like just off the top of my head, like, Sabine's upgrade card for her um, her wrist shield. You know, I'll, I'll look up pictures, I'll, I'll watch the episode, I'll, I'll find some screenshots, you know, and then I'll, you know, ask our producer if they can request um, like renders from the TV show from LFL of that thing so that we can make sure it's 100% accurate. And then, um, you know, I then I sit down with the art director, um, you know, for a lot of these waves, it's been uh, Preston Stone, who's been on some of our uh streams he's played some games he plays legion so that helps and um you know and then we'll have a dialogue of like you know he'll be like i think this works but i don't think like the way you're describing it from this angle doesn't quite work or he would be an idea for a better background or something like that you know um so you know it's very much collaborative as well but uh yeah a lot of work goes into that so i do appreciate that people are i mean obviously people are very impressed with you know how We've improved our, our sculpting, but I, I appreciate that people have noticed the quality of the art as well. Yeah, I'm like you, the heroes of the Clone Wars card 
just basically floored me when I saw it. I was like, that is like, I need that on my wall. My wife's going to kill me, mind you. Um, but, but I need that on my wall. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's good, man. No. And, and, um, you know, kudos to, yeah, Preston Stone doing the art direction for that, that wave. Like, you know, and the other thing too is, I mean, art directors, um, a big part of their job is, is facilitating, uh, relationships with a freelance artist that, you know, we, we work with, you know, again and again, you know, there's, there's artists who have done, you know, m- many, many pieces for, for Legion and, and for other Star Wars games too. And, you know, you can even go through and maybe notice similar styles between cards and pick them out, you know, they're the same artists, but, um, uh, yeah. And, and even sculpting wise too, you know, we, we do some freelancing there. So there's some work with, you know, like developing that relationship with the freelancers. So they have an idea of, you know, what, what we're looking for, what's useful to us, what sort of um, details we want to push, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. All right. Now that we uh, buttered you up and softened you up, uh, <laughs> I got one last question here. Uh, oh, all right. We, we, we heard you allude to it on the Gen Con stream that there are um, going to be some Civil War faction units coming out once all these Clone Wars faction units draw, you know, come out. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess basically... My first part of the question is, is this simply an early push to get the Clone Wars factions up to speed uh, that you're, you know, doing mostly Clone Wars uh, releases lately? And then, you know, are there any hints to what those four units might be afterwards? Mm -hmm. Fishing for some more hints, I see. Uh, (laughs) Casting the bait. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, it doesn't hurt. doesn't hurt, man. Um hard to ask i think uh so to answer your first question the practical question um the short answer is yes yes there's a push to get more stuff out for these um clone wars factions and i think um you know there was some um you know we, we maybe wanted to see a little like we don't always have full control over exactly when new product drops because, I mean, the whole supply chain is, yeah, that's a whole nother thing we could talk about too with, you know, production and shipping and factories and international partners and release dates and delays and, and all kinds of stuff. Um, so, you know, we felt like, you know, like it's important to sort of bolster these new factions so that they, I, I don't think we're planning on having them completely catch up, um, but we are going to shift towards more of those, more products for those new ones. And um, even even after this, you know, yes, I, I've I've said there's sort of these four, if you will, products: Maul, Anakin, the two specialist packs for the prequel factions, and then there's another equal chunk of four. Um, products for uh, the original uh, Galactic Civil War era factions. After that, you know, there's going to be another larger chunk of stuff for the the Clone Wars, you know, so we're still trying to sort of skew it more towards um, those new factions. Now, obviously not to say we're not doing anything for the existing two factions, as illustrated by the fact that I, I did allude to, well, not even allude to, I said that, you know, there'd be some two, two each for the Galactic Civil War factions. Um, but yes, and I, I think, um, we're gonna reach a place eventually where it has less to do with, um, 
catching factions up and you're going to see a shift towards theme because like I'll be honest like Maul and Anakin are cool and these specialist packs are great but like there's no theme there you know like Maul and Anakin don't fight each other you know not as we're depicting Maul you know and the specialist packs you know another product I pushed for because it's important for those two factions you know it's not it's not some heavily themed sort of vignette of something you know these are just sort of generic clones and, and droids that we see you know scattered throughout um that star wars media um but once we get past sort of i guess bolstering these initial factions with you know not to use it in a um a pejorative sense but you know sort of vanilla stuff and sort of core republic stuff um you know we're gonna see a lot more i think thematic um clumps or batches of, of units, you know, and, and products where it's like, oh, these are all from this thing, whether that be this particular part of this movie or this particular arc of the Clone Wars series or, you know, this other Star Wars story movie like Rebels or um, Rogue One or, or Solo, you know, or even, you know, potentially, you know, like instead of sort of just sort of slotting in uh, you know, here's Iden, here's Special Forces, we might have a more comprehensive, like, here's a whole batch of things coming out together from this Star Wars video game. Um, so that's something to look forward to. I mean, same with the Rebels and Imperials, you know, you think of what we've made for the game, like, we're pretty, we're running out of, like, in, in a good way, we've sort of gotten through, like, a lot of, like, you know, these are the core characters and, and, and units we see, and we're going to start dipping more into, like, you know, this is a, a specific thematic group of things from this show or film or, or game or whatever. So that's that's kind of where we're going eventually. Once we once we hit these like beats of characters and things, you know, that are just sort of like, you know, again, sort of like your 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 vanilla that you got to get in there, you know. Yeah, and as someone that takes a lot of Star Wars media in being games, books, shows, everything, you name it. it it's just great that to know that like you're going to be going to, to that theme, you know, not that everything hasn't been thematic. Like you said, it, you know, like you said, it's more like vanilla. You got to get them in there, all that. It's always still thematic, but yeah. to be able to open yourself up to be like, Oh, well, I don't have to catch up clones and droids. I can do kind of what I want. Uh, again, that opens up a design space, which is like great for you. I'm sure kind of like a, like a weight off your shoulders, not like a, like, not that it's bearing down on you. You need to get certain things out, but it kind of opens you up to be like, yeah, I can do this now. Yeah. And it's certainly easier to design things that you plan on them synergizing together at the same time, you know, like instead of, here's an example, you know, instead of sprinkling rebel character characters from the rebel TV show here and there, you know, designing a couple at once, you know, it's easier to bake in those synergies, you know? So, yeah, I don't know. Here, uh, uh, you guys, that was your supposedly final question for me. I'll leave a question to you guys, you know, like what is some like Star Wars media that we haven't touched on yet that you guys are like chomping at the bit to see in Legion? Uh, I mean, the, the, instant question for me or answer not question um is uh fallen order for sure 
Yeah, you know? dude, that's uh, got some dope stuff in it. Yeah, like I, I would, you know, the um, like the Inquisitors in Rebels were really cool, but they were also kind of I don't know, they weren't. The, <laughs> they were they were they were kind of a little still like kid like in it, in that. It's show. okay. It's it's okay. No one likes the fifth brother or what is it? The seventh brother. We yeah. all know. We all know that the seven sisters the cool one. Yeah, and I just like in in Fallen Order, they're just so cool, and you know, I mean, we can have Cal Kestis too. That's fine. But, yeah, that's okay. But, but but I really just want the Inquisitors, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's. that's I mean, there's I'm more. Doing. There's more in there too. I mean, uh, sort of an early snapshot of uh, Saw's partisans are in there. Yeah, you got the Haxian Brood. Those guys are cool. Uh, a solo solo for me. I. I I know that movie gets like a little bit of flack and I, I can, I and I get it, but that is like such a fun star Wars movie and like someone that I would be like pumped to see would be Beckett uh, because he kind of mm. taught, kind of taught Han everything he knows to be like this dirty rascal scoundrel. And, you know, for, for most, for the most part, he's actually better than Han at doing it. Um, you know, until Han figured it all out towards the end there. Spoiler alerts. But um, he was just a great character. I mean, I also like Woody Harrelson a lot, so maybe that has a lot to do with it. <laughs> but, uh, a little you know, biased. Yeah, you know, a little biased. But uh, he was awesome to see on screen, and it'd be cool. You know, like he's like the, the gunslinger type, you know? Yeah, no, he would be awesome, definitely. Yeah, and, and again, there's more stuff in that um, film as well we can do. There's the whole Imperial Regiment we see on, on Vinban with the Mud Troopers and the... Um, the, I forget what his designation is, but the like the um, AT artillery thing, AT, well, I forget what it was, P, PD or something like that. But yeah, no, there's, yeah, or the Minban Stormtroopers. I hope I'm saying the name right. Black Kersantan. I want oh, Jack, Chewbacca's Black Kirsten? Evil, yeah, Kirsten. I want his evil, I want Chewbacca's evil foil. <laughs> bad Chewbacca? Yeah, bad Chewy. With the, yeah, with man, the, no, that's the, something, uh, I mean, I haven't touched on yet but is 100 percent on the table too is like there's there's stuff in the comics as well you know i mean there's a there's fewer things there that that are like units like trooper squads or like vehicles but there's some awesome characters too i mean uh, yeah black kirsten you got afra um and her droids well they're not really hers but those droids yeah i, I don't suppose trioculus is still canon <laughs> well that depends on whether alex is uh doing that wave or not i guess <laughs> His favorite character, Trioculus. I don't think Trioculus is canon. I think that's. I think that might be a bit of an issue. Is that all you want, Kyle? Is Trioculus? <laughs> well, I mean, if I got to have a like option B, I guess I would say Saw's Partisans from Rogue One, and then he's obviously, as you noted, in various other media. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, no, I, it's same. I think you know, like, yeah, you guys have touched on the fact that, um, and this is what I was alluding to a little bit too. Like, you know, once we as I said, once we get through like, you know, like a lot of these core um, units and characters that we see like in these central films, you know, in, in the three original trilogy and the three prequels um, and some of the core characters from uh, like the Clone Wars TV show, um, it, it, we, we want to sort of open up Legion to a whole world of sort of these, you know, um, subgroups and, you know, uh, factions within factions, you know, and just sort of uh, thematic groupings of units like you guys are talking about. Well, I'm super excited for the future of Legion. Um, 
every time we talk to you, it's, it's always like, you know, just more exciting things on the horizon. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. I'm, I'm happy to instill excitement. I'm still, I'm still holding out hope for Chief Turpa and Log Ray. Ah, uh, yes. That is always a, that's always the like joke, not joke. Uh, request is the the Ewok faction or or units, and we'll see we'll see about those. No no promises on those. I, I would legitimately play an entire Ewok faction. One hundred percent. And yeah. not not like not like tongue in cheek either. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, if I could run Ewoks and Wookies together in the same list, I would run that list like all the time. That'd be pretty dope. Well, we'll maybe we'll take a poll. We'll see if, if enough people want to play it, and we'll make it. There you go. I mean, I, you know, it's it, for anyone that has played Battlefront. They have that uh, survival mode where you're like, yeah, they did that really well. That's pretty fun. Yeah, that gives you an appreciation for the murder bears that Ewoks really are. It's true. Yeah. No, I, I, if I was at that party at the end, I would be pretty suspicious of uh, eating whatever they're cooking up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And Ewok hands you something on a stick. Here, Luke, go yeah, ahead. Dude, there's all those empty helmets. I'm just, you know. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks for your time, Luke. We'll let you get back. Um, and uh, uh, I'm very excited for Legion. Yeah, no, that's great. I, I appreciate the opportunity to come on here and, and you know, chat with you guys and, you know, uh, talk about some of the behind the scenes stuff. No, it's 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 great. I appreciate the opportunity. All right, well, that was Luke. Uh, we are the Notorious Scoundrels. I'm Kyle. I'm Mike. I'm David. And Zach is <laughs> probably tending to his newborn or something. I didn't realize I was on mute. I'm go. Zach. <laughs> there you go. And Zach is on mute. Um, stay fresh, you facts.